Good evening. I hope you've had a wonderful day today. Welcome to BVJ's Bedtime Stories. My name is Big Voice Jay, and this is a show where we get you ready for a great night's sleep with some old familiar stories that you haven't heard in a while. Links to every story can be found in the show notes at our website, bedtimewithbvj.com. Tonight's story, The Story of Aladdin or The Wonderful Lamp. In one of the large and rich cities of China, there once lived a tailor named Mustafa. He was very poor. He could hardly, by his daily labor, maintain himself and his family, which consisted only of a wife and a son. His son, who was called Aladdin, was a very idle and careless fellow. He was disobedient to his father and mother, and would go out early in the morning and stay out all day, playing in the streets and public places with idle children of his own age. When he was old enough to learn a trade, his father took him into his own shop and taught him how to use his needle. But all his father's endeavors to keep him to his work were vain, for no sooner was his back turned than the boy was gone for that day. Mustafa chastised him, but Aladdin was incorrigible, and his father, to his great grief, was forced to abandon him to his idleness. He was so much troubled about him that he fell sick and died in a few months. Aladdin, who was now no longer restrained by the fear of a father, gave himself over entirely to his idle habits, and was never out of the streets from his companions. This course he followed till he was fifteen years old, without giving his mind to any useful pursuit, or the least reflection on what would become of him. As he was one day playing in the street with his evil associates according to custom, a stranger passing by stood to observe him. This stranger was a sorcerer known as the African Magician, as he had been but two days arrived from Africa, his native country. The African Magician, observing in Aladdin's countenance, something which assured him that he was a fit boy for his purpose, inquired his name and history of his companions. When he had learned all he desired to know, he went up to him, and taking him aside from his comrades, said, Child, was not your father called Mustafa the tailor? Yes, sir, answered the boy, but he has been dead a long time. At these words, the African magician threw his arms around Aladdin's neck and kissed him several times with tears in his eyes, saying, I am your uncle. Your worthy father was my own brother. I knew you at first sight. You are so like him. Then he gave Aladdin a handful of small money, saying, Go, my son, to your mother. Give my love to her. Tell her that I will visit her tomorrow, that I may see where my good brother lived so long and ended his days. Mother, said he, have I an uncle? No, child, replied his mother. You have no uncle by your father's side or mine. I am just now come, said Aladdin, from a man who says he is my uncle and my father's brother. He cried, and kissed me when I told him my father was dead, and gave me money, sending his love to you, and promising to come and pay you a visit 
that he may see the house my father lived and died in. Indeed, child, replied the mother. Your father had no brother, nor have you an uncle. The next day the magician found Aladdin playing in another part of the town, and embracing him as before, put two pieces of gold into his hand and said to him, Carry this child to your mother. Tell her that I will come and see her tonight, and bid her get us something for supper. But first, show me the house where you live. Aladdin showed the African magician the house, and carried the two pieces of gold to his mother, who went out and brought provisions, and considering she wanted various utensils, borrowed them of her neighbors. She spent the whole day in preparing the supper, and at night, when it was ready, said to her son, Perhaps the stranger knows not how to find our house. Go and bring him if you meet with him. Aladdin was just ready to go when the magician knocked at the door and came in loaded with wine and all sorts of fruits, which he brought for dessert. After he had given what he brought into Aladdin's hands, he saluted his mother and desired her to show him the place where his brother Mustafa used to sit on the sofa. And when she had so done, he fell down and kissed it several times, crying out with tears in his eyes, My poor brother, how unhappy am I not to have come soon enough to give you one last embrace. Aladdin's mother desired him to sit down in the same place, but he declined. No, said he, I shall not do that, but give me leave to sit opposite to it, that although I see not the master of a family so dear to me, I may at least behold the place where he used to sit. When the magician had made choice of a place and sat down, he began to enter into discourse with Aladdin's mother. My good sister, said he, do not be surprised at your never having seen me all the time you have been married to my brother Mustafa of happy memory. I have been forty years absent from this country, which is my native place as well as my late brother's. During that time I have traveled into the Indies, Persia, Arabia, and Syria, and afterward crossed over into Africa, where I took up my abode in Egypt. At last, as it is natural for a man, I was desirous to see my native country again, and to embrace my dear brother. Finding I had strength enough to undertake so long a journey, I made the necessary preparations and set out. Nothing ever afflicted me so much as hearing of my brother's death. But God be praised for all things. It is a comfort for me to find, as it were, my brother in a son, who has his most remarkable features. The African magician, perceiving that the widow wept at the remembrance of her husband, changed the conversation, and turning toward her son, asked him, What business do you follow? Do you have any trade? At this question, the youth hung down his head, and was not a little abashed when his mother answered, Aladdin is an idle fellow. His father, when alive, strove all he could to teach him his trade, but could not succeed. And since his death, notwithstanding all I can say to him, he does nothing but idle away his time in the streets, as you saw him. Without considering he is no longer a child, and if you do not make him ashamed of it, I despair of his ever coming to any good. For my part, I am resolved, one of these, to turn him out of doors and let him provide for himself. 
After these words, Aladdin's mother burst into tears, and the magician said, This is not well, nephew. You must think of helping yourself and getting your livelihood. Any sorts of trades? Perhaps you do not like your father's and would prefer another. I will endeavor to help. If you have no mind to learn any handicraft, I will take a shop for you, furnish it with all sorts of fine stuffs and linens, and then, with the money you make of them, you can lay in fresh goods and live in an honorable way. Tell me freely what you think of my proposal. You shall always find me ready to keep my word. This plan just suited Aladdin, who hated work. He told the magician that he had a greater inclination to that business than to any other, and that he should be much obliged to him for his kindness. Well then, said the African magician, I shall carry you with me tomorrow, clothe you as handsomely as the best merchants in the city, and afterward we will open a shop as I mentioned. The widow, after his promise of kindness to her son, no longer doubted that the magician was her husband's brother. She thanked him for his good intentions, and after having exhorted Aladdin to render himself worthy of his uncle's favor, she served up supper, at which they talked of several indifferent matters, and then the magician took his leave and retired. He came again the next day, as he had promised, and took Aladdin with him to a merchant, who sold all sorts of clothes for different ages and ranks that he made, and a variety of fine stuffs, and bade Aladdin choose those he preferred, which he paid for. Found himself so handsomely equipped, he returned his uncle thanks, who thus addressed, As you are soon to be a merchant, it is proper you should frequent these shops and become acquainted with them. He then showed him the largest and finest mosques, carried him to the khans or inns where the merchants and travelers lodged, and afterward to the sultan's palace, where he had free access, and at last brought him to his own khan, where, meeting with some merchants he had become acquainted with since his arrival, he gave them a treat to bring them and his pretended nephew acquainted. This entertainment lasted till night, when Aladdin would have taken leave of his uncle to go home. The magician would not let him go by himself, but conducted him to his mother, who, as soon as she saw him so well-dressed, was transported with joy and bestowed a thousand blessings upon the magician. Early the next morning the magician called again for Aladdin, and said he would take him to spend that day in the country, and on the next he would purchase the shop. He then led him out at one of the gates of the city, to some magnificent palaces, to each of which belonged beautiful gardens, into which anybody might enter. At every building he came to, he asked Aladdin if he did not think it fine, and the youth was ready to answer when anyone presented itself, crying out, Here is a finer house, uncle, than any we have yet seen. By this artifice the cunning magician led Aladdin some way into the country, and as he meant to carry him farther, to execute his design, pretending to be tired, he took an opportunity to sit down in one of the gardens, on the brink of a fountain of clear water which discharged itself by a lion's mouth of bronze into a basin. Come, nephew, said he, you must be weary as well as I. Let us rest ourselves, and we shall be better able to pursue our walk. The magician next pulled from his girdle a handkerchief with cakes and fruit, 
and during this short repast he exhorted his nephew to leave off bad company, and to seek that of wise and prudent men to improve by their conversation. For, said he, you will soon be at man's estate, and you cannot too early begin to imitate their example. When they had eaten as much as they liked, they got up, and pursued their walk through gardens separated from one another only by small ditches, which marked out the limits without interrupting the communication. So great was the confidence the inhabitants reposed in each other. By this means, the African magician drew Aladdin insensibly beyond the gardens, and crossed the country till they nearly reached the mountains. At last they arrived between two mountains of moderate height and equal size, divided by a narrow valley, where the magician intended to execute the design that had brought him from Africa to China. We will go no farther now, said he to Aladdin. I will show you here some extraordinary things, which, when you have seen, thank me for. But while I strike a light, gather up all the loose dry sticks you can see to kindle a fire with. Aladdin found so many dried sticks that he soon collected a great heap. The magician presently set them on fire, and when they were in a blaze he threw in some incense, pronouncing several magical words which Aladdin did not understand. He had scarcely done so when the earth opened just before the magician and disclosed a stone with a brass ring fixed in it. Aladdin was so frightened that he could have run away, but the magician caught hold of him and gave him such a box on the ear that he knocked him down. Aladdin got up trembling and with tears in his eyes, said to the magician, What have I done, uncle, to be treated in this severe manner? I am your uncle, answered the magician. I supply the place of your father, and you ought to make no reply. But, child, added he, softening, do not be afraid, for I shall not ask anything of you that, if you obey me punctually, you will reap the advantages which I intend you. Know then that under this stone there is hidden a treasure destined to be yours, and which will make you richer than the greatest monarch in the world. No person but yourself is permitted to lift this stone or enter the cave, so you must punctually execute what I may command for it is a matter of great consequence both to you and to me. Aladdin, amazed at all he saw and heard, forgot what was past, and rising said, Well, uncle, what is to be done? Command me, I am ready to obey. I am overjoyed, child, said the African magician, embracing him. Take hold of the ring and lift up that stone. Indeed, uncle, replied Aladdin, I am not strong enough. You must help me. You have no occasion for my assistance, answered the magician. If I help you, we shall be able to do nothing. Take hold of the ring and lift it up. You will find it will come easily. Aladdin did as the magician bade him, raised the stone with ease, and laid it on one side. When the stone was pulled up, there appeared a staircase about three or four feet deep, leading to a door. Descend those steps, my son, said the African magician, and open that door. It will lead you into a palace divided into three great halls. 
In each of these you will see four large brass cisterns placed on each side, full of gold and silver. But take care you do not meddle with them. Before you enter the first hall, be sure to tuck up your robe, wrap it about you, and then pass through the second into the third without stopping. Above all things, have a care that you do not touch the wall so much as with your clothes, for if you do, you will die instantly. At the end of the third hall you will find a door which opens into a garden planted with fine trees loaded with fruit. Walk directly across the garden to a terrace, where you will see a niche before you, and in that niche a lighted lamp. Take the lamp down and put it out. When you have thrown away the wick and poured out the liquor, put it in your waistband and bring it to me. Do not be afraid that the liquor will spoil your clothes, for it is not oil, and the lamp will be dry as soon as it is thrown out. After these words, the magician threw a ring off his finger and put it on one of Aladdin's, saying, It is a talisman against all evil, as long as you obey me. Go, therefore, boldly, and we shall both be rich all our lives. Aladdin descended the steps and, opening the door, found the three halls just as the African magician had described. He went through them with all the precaution the fear of death could inspire, crossed the garden without stopping, took down the lamp from the niche, threw out the wick and the liquor, and, as the magician had desired, put it in his waistband. But as he came down from the terrace, seeing as it was perfectly dry, he stopped in the garden to observe the trees, which were loaded with extraordinary fruit of different colors on each tree. Some bore fruit entirely white, and some clear and transparent as crystal some pale red, and others deeper, some green, blue, and purple, and others yellow. In short, there was fruit of all colors. The white were pearls, the clear and transparent diamonds, the deep red rubies, the paler ballast rubies, the green emeralds, the blue turquoises, the purple amethysts, and the yellow sapphires. Aladdin, ignorant of their value, would have preferred figs or grapes or pomegranates, but as he had his uncle's permission, he resolved to gather some of every sort. Having filled the two new purses his uncle had bought for him with his clothes, he wrapped some up in the skirts of his vest and crammed his bosom as full as it could hold. Aladdin, having thus loaded himself with riches of which he knew not the value, returned through the three halls with the utmost precaution and soon arrived at the mouth of the cave where the African magician awaited him with the utmost impatience. As soon as Aladdin saw him, he cried out, Pray, uncle, lend me your hand to help me out. Give me the lamp first, replied the magician. It will be troublesome to you. Indeed, uncle, answered Aladdin, I cannot now, but as soon as I am up. The African magician was determined that he would have the lamp before he would help him up and Aladdin, who had encumbered himself so much with his fruit that he could not get well at it, refused to give it to him till he was out of the cave. The African magician, provoked at this obstinate refusal, flew into a passion, threw a little of his incense into the fire, and pronounced two magical words when the stone which had closed the mouth of the staircase moved into its place. With the earth over it in the same manner as it lay at the arrival of the magician, and Aladdin. 
This action of the magician plainly revealed to Aladdin that he was no uncle of his, but one who designed him evil. The truth was that he had learned from his magic books the secret and the value of this wonderful lamp, the owner of which would be made richer than any earthly ruler, and hence his journey to China. His art had also told him that he was not permitted to take it himself, but must receive it as a voluntary gift from the hands of another person. Hence he employed young Aladdin, and hoped by a mixture of kindness and authority to make him obedient to his word and will. When he found that his attempt had failed, he set out to return to Africa, but avoided the town, lest any person who had seen him leave in company with Aladdin should make inquiries after the youth. Aladdin, being suddenly enveloped in darkness, cried and called out to his uncle to tell him he was ready to give him the lamp. But in vain, since his cries could not be heard, he descended to the bottom of the steps with the design to get into the palace, but the door, which was opened before by enchantment, was now shut by the same means. He then redoubled his cries and tears, sat down on the steps without any hopes of ever seeing light again, and in an expectation of passing from the present darkness to a speedy death. We'll return with our story on our next episode. I want to remind you that we're always on the hunt for great stories such as this one to feature on the show. And if you know of any, you can email me, bigvoicej at gmail.com. We've got a YouTube channel, tiny.cc slash bvjbedtime. Remember to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps to spread the word that we're putting people to sleep every single night. And if you'd like to support the show, there's a Buy Me A Coffee link on every single page and post. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>